0: you know, when there's regulatory change, there's usually a a big opportunity to grow and build a business around it. And that's what I did. I I quit a few months later and decided that I was going to build a real estate crowdfunding business.
1: Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. Please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. Today, we have Jillian Hellman, who is the CEO of Realty Mogul, which is an online marketplace offering crowdfunding for real estate investing opportunities. Jillian was also named to the 2015 Forbes Thirty under 30 list, and she has a whole list of other accolades, but I'll let Jillian talk about them. So Jillian, how's it going?
0: Going great. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, thanks for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about kind of who you are and you know what you do?
0: Sure. So you mentioned I'm the CEO of Realty Mogul, and I, I came out of a banking and real estate background and always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So Realty Mogul is my first company and, and the first back company as well that I've run and, and grown. And we are an online marketplace for real estate investing. We connect investors who want to invest in real estate with commercial real estate investment opportunities, and we allow those investors to do everything online so they can do due diligence on investment opportunities online, review all the materials, and then complete the entire transaction online from legal documentation to funding. And then also they have access to an investor dashboard to see how their investments are performing over time.
1: Got it. And how did you come up with this idea?
0: You know, I was working in banking at the time, and my boss at the bank asked me to look into a new regulation called the JOBS Act. And that was the regulation that really legalized this concept of crowdfunding for investments. You know, crowdfunding for donations existed like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, but true investments, you know, that that wasn't legal yet in uh, in the U.S., So I got my hands on this piece of legislation and just thought to myself, there's a huge opportunity here. You know, when there's regulatory change, there's usually a a big opportunity to grow and build a business around it. And that's what I did. I I quit a few months later and decided that I was going to build a real estate crowdfunding business.
1: Got it. And so when you quit, I mean, you know, you're going all in on this. Were you scared?
0: You know, you're always scared, right? Um, I think that anytime that you make a big decision in life, even though you have conviction and you know in your gut that it's the right thing to do, you know, there's still absolutely an element of fear and you just have to get over it.
1: Got it. Great. So, what, um, so, I mean, we can dive into some numbers really quick. I mean, do you have any case studies? Let's say, you know, what's kind of the average return for someone that has a low risk tolerance versus high uh, risk tolerance if they're looking to, you know, start with this?
0: Yeah. So, we sort of have a variety of different types of transactions that we do. And, you know, no investment is ever guaranteed, right? So, first and foremost, there's real risk in real estate investing, there's risk in stock investing, bond investing. You know, anywhere you invest, there's going to be risks. Um, We offer a couple of different products for different types of investors. So for investors who are more focused on income, we actually have a a REIT, which is a real estate investment trust. And that is a vehicle where you can pool together a variety of different commercial real estate investments and get diversification to a bunch of different transactions. And in that vehicle, for example, we just declared our ninth consecutive 8% annualized distribution. So we've paid 8%, you know, in that vehicle. Um, You can contrast that to an equity transaction, for example, where you're buying a share in, say, an apartment building, right? And you're going to get any of the income uh, after expenses that comes from people renting that apartment unit. You know, we've had transactions where we've underwritten and we're looking for, you know, cash flow in the early days when you're holding the property but then when you go to sell the property assuming there's some appreciation which is you know a huge assumption there's always risks you know we've had transactions that have been over 15% returns wow. so it really runs the gamut depending on how much risk investors are willing to take
1: right okay awesome and you have raised a total of 45 million dollars over five rounds so what kind of numbers can you share around the business today
0: yeah. So the, the 45 million was venture capital. Um, so we use that venture capital to operate our day-to-day business. We, we don't use that to invest in underlying real estate. Um, so an underlying real estate, you know, our investors on the platform have invested over $265 million. Wow. Uh, We have 110,000 registered investors on the platform. Um, The underlying value of the real estate is over a billion dollars. So, you know, in many transactions that we do, there will be both debt and equity. We're not necessarily both. So we might, you know, bring in a bank to do the debt and we might finance the equity. So we've, you know, our investors have invested 265 million in in properties worth over a billion dollars. We've returned back to investors over 60 million dollars in capital. So my philosophy on the business was always, you know, it's great to take in investment dollars, but we really have to prove ourselves by sending money out, right? So how quickly can we get money out of the system? Um, And we've had zero principal loss from investors. So no investors made, you know, has lost money with us. You know, there's still risk in every transaction. But I I think we're really proud of our track record. You know, we've invested in 330 properties around the country, uh, and and we're really proud of what we've built.
1: Is this pretty flexible? Can people jump in and out of the, you you know, pull their investments in and out as they please, or do they have to leave it in for a certain period of time?
0: Yeah. It's really not flexible. You know, we're, we're not liquid, um, Mm. the way that like the stock market's liquid, we, we are not, uh, investors really are looking for long-term, right? It's a long-term hold, you know, think about real estate, right? It's not like you sell buildings every day, right there. You hold them, you operate them. Um, so it's not liquid. And, and that's, I think one risk for investors, right? Is if investors really want liquid cash, it's a lot easier for them to either keep their money in cash or put it in stocks, which are liquid. These are all illiquid investments.
1: Right. Okay. Great. So, yeah, I mean, how did you – since we talk a lot about marketing on this podcast, how did you go about acquiring, let's just say, your first thousand customers?
0: You know, we got some really great press in some early like startup-y type blogs, um, GeekWire and stuff like that uh, from pitch competitions. So I was out and I, I was doing – angel pitch competitions to raise money for the business. And we got some interesting press around the pitch competitions. And we were one of the companies in the pitch competition. And then I I went on to win a bunch of pitch competitions. (laughs) So it was really, you know, some some press and, and pitch competitions was what kicked off the business.
1: Wow, awesome. Okay, cool. So, you know, press and then what's kind of sustaining the growth right now? What's working in terms of customer acquisition nowadays?
0: Yeah so we we're we're really on you know our our sort of marketing goals be omnipresent right so we do all the traditional online stuff you know Google Bing Facebook um search engine marketing digital advertising all that good stuff. Um, We've spent a lot of time and energy on SEO. So we've written probably close to 500 blog posts now, and those tend to be all educational, um, you know, to drive. uh, I mean, really twofold. One, I'd say the primary objective there is really to educate our consumer because we want people to be educated about real estate. And then two is to drive, you know, SEO. So when people are searching for real estate terms on Google, you know, we'll populate through our educational content. Um, and then we also do offline stuff. We do a lot of events. We meet, you know, all of the real estate companies that we do business with, we meet in person still. So those offline events help us a lot on that side of our business, right? We're, we're a two-sided marketplace because we've got investors on one side and real estate companies on the other. So we use a lot of live events for those real estate companies, which has been great. So we're, we're omnichannel and, and our goal is to be omnipresent.
1: Great. So what's, I mean, it sounds like things have been going fantastic, but as we all know, you know, when, when you grow a business, well, you know, there's a lot of struggle. So what's one big struggle you faced while growing the business?
0: You know, I think that it's, it's twofold, right? And, and it's like you always need more time and it always costs more money. Right. And I I don't think as a first time CEO, when I first started the company that I realized just how long it takes and just how much money you're going to need. I mean, thankfully, you know, we we raised a lot of venture and we're in a very, very regulated space. So we own a broker dealer. We operate two investment advisors. We operate a lending company. Like we've got a lot of infrastructure that we had to build specifically being a fintech company. I think that, you know, the, the regulatory and the infrastructure is a lot more onerous when you're fintech. Um, but I think that it's just, you know, controlling your mind when things take longer and cost more money than you expect them to be. Right. Uh, and and there's so many examples of that, right? It took us a lot of money to figure out, you know, what marketing channels are going to work. It took us a lot of money to figure out where's the best source, you know, what's the best type of real estate that we want to be investing in, right? In the early days of our business, we were doing investments in, um, residential properties and we decided over time, you know, this isn't going to be as scalable, and as good of a risk-reward for our investors as investing in commercial properties. So we stopped investing in residential, right? So there's, there's things like that where you make tough decisions and really it's, you know, you always need more time.
1: Awesome. You know, it's, it, what's interesting, we, we, you know, before we actually started, I, I spoke about how we actually talked a couple of years ago. And you've always struck me as someone that's kind of a, you know, no BS, straight to the point, you know, you're a hustler, Right. But, you know, I, what I'm detecting from our conversation here is you, you're also you, it feels like you become a lot more kind of you let loose a little more. Right. Is there like a story behind it? Do you agree with that sentiment?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that you you evolve as a CEO. Right. When you, you're a very different CEO, when you have 10 employees and when you have, you know, 70 amazing professionals working at the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, from my perspective, we've grown astronomically over the last couple of years. Um, And and I think we've learned a lot too, and and you learn that it takes time to get a business going, right? There are no overnight successes, Um, you know, and and there's so many examples of, you know, you look at companies like Amazon, I mean, they've been at this for decades, right? And they're still barely cutting a profit, right? And so when you think about that, there's really no overnight successes. And I think that I've grown tremendously as a CEO because you have to when you grow, right? You can't do the same things that you were doing when it was you and a a co-founder in a living room kicking the company off.
1: Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's that. And then also at the same time, it's your, your attitude has also become, it feels like it's become more lighthearted, too. And I think you're, it, it sounds like almost even more forgiving in a sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, we still have really high expectations, I think, mm-hmm. in our company. But I, I think that you, what you realize over time as you build the business is as long as you've got everyone rowing in the same direction, and as long as you're planting the seeds, you have to believe that those seeds are going to grow. Right. It's same thing. If you're, if you're planting a tree, right, you stick a seed in the ground and you believe that that tree is going to grow. So you leave, you know, enough feet around where you put that seed in for that tree to grow in. Right. And It's the same concept where, you know, we've planted a lot of seeds in the early days of our business. We have now seen, you know, a lot of the fruit of our labor, which has just been fantastic. Um, and I think that that's that lesson around you, you have to constantly believe that it's going to happen and you have to create enough space to allow it to actually happen.
1: Great, and you know, I was actually watching one of your YouTube videos where you're on TV, and you were talking about how um, you know you wanted to get into real estate because it's something you, you talked about at uh, you know dinner table at the dinner table all the time growing up. So I, I'm curious, you know, what drives you? Because you just seem, you just seem like a very go 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 person.
0: Yeah. I love learning. Um, I really enjoy learning. So I, am an avid reader, you know, and, and, um, I love learning from others. So I try and surround myself with really high quality people who are experts in their domain and, and absorb as much as I possibly can from them. So I, am a big believer in personal growth. I'm a big believer in, um, there's always something to learn and there's always somewhere to improve. Mm-hmm. So I think that that, that helps drive me. And, um, you know, when, when you think about like purpose in life, you know, how do you be the best version of yourself, right? That's that's one purpose. And then how do you take that best version of yourself to impact others in, in a positive light? Um, and for me, that's around, you know, coaching working with a lot of our team members to give them exposure to things that they otherwise wouldn't have exposure to, Um, working with folks who get to take on more than they wouldn't be able to take on if they didn't work for a startup. You know, there's a lot of examples of people in our company who have said to me, you know, I never would have been able to do this if I was at XYZ company or, you know, XYZ big company. And you've given me the opportunity to learn a new skill set you know, and it could be good or bad, right? They could learn a new skill set and love it. And they could try something new and go, I really don't like this. And this really isn't for me either way. That's fantastic because they've learned from it. So that, that, um, growth is really, really important to me.
1: Great. Okay. So what's, what's one big change you made in the last year that impacted either yourself or your business in a big way? So for example, you could have been that you went to soul cycle and it changed your life.
0: Hmm. So uh, it's not quite soul cycle, but <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to go off on a super tangent here. I think that the, I, I think of my life very linearly. I am actually tend to be a linear thinker. And when I think about priorities in life, family is number one, health is number two, and the company is number three. And, you know, maybe that's strange for a CEO to say publicly that their company is not their number one priority, but in reality, mine is family, health, and company. Hmm. And health is, is the one that I actually want to talk through. So I think the single biggest change is optimizing micronutrient levels. So what does that mean? Um, everybody's body needs vitamins and minerals and amino acids to survive and to function. Um, And so I have now started really honing in on that and figuring out, okay, am I getting enough vitamin D? Am I getting enough vitamin B? Am I getting enough vitamin K? And really thinking about what types of foods do I need to eat in order to optimize those Um, provides greater energy, provides greater clarity. Um. So I've been very focused on optimizing micronutrient levels, which kind of you food? know may sound very, very dorky, but that's that's the truth. I love it. But
1: what 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 kind of food are you eating? I'm sure, like for you, it's like you know exactly what kind of food, and do you stick to like a regimen, or are you always changing up your diet?
0: Well, it depends, right? So I'll, I'll take my, I'll take a micronutrient test, um, about once every quarter. So every 90 to, to 120 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends, right? Sometimes I'm deficient in vitamin K. Sometimes I'm deficient in vitamin B, right? It just totally, totally depends. But you know, long and short of it is green leafy vegetables, right? Like at the end of the day, most Americans don't consume enough green leafy vegetables. So, you know, kale and spinach and, uh, all that good stuff.
1: Okay. And then where do you, I've actually never gotten tested before. So where do you go get tested for that?
0: So there's a place in Los Angeles in Hollywood called Next Health, which is where I go. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that you can go to any doctor and say, hey, I want to test my micronutrient levels. It's a simple blood test. They take blood mm-hmm. and you get your results, you know, a couple days later.
1: Got it. You know, the interesting about this podcast is it's, it's about growth in, in respect to, to marketing. But I, I think, you know, I also talk about personal growth a lot. And I think this is important, right? Because if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. So I think it's important for people to at least... If you've never heard of this stuff, maybe Google it and look into a little more. Because uh, honestly, I mean, how are you going to be able to to crank at one hundred percent if if you're you're not healthy, right? So um, the other thing I wanted to talk about, I mean, you know, you and I touched upon you know dinners and you know having uh, meeting with like minded people, other entrepreneurs, perhaps, or even creatives in some, in some senses. Um, how have you know you attending these dinners or you know hosting these dinners um, impacted
0: your life? Yeah, I think that you know meeting interesting people is a source of energy for me. So there there are two ways that energy works in the world. It can be a source of energy or it can be, you know, sucking or taking of energy. I find for me that meeting interesting people who are committed to growth and who are doing really cool, interesting things is a source of energy. So I've met some fantastic people. Um, you know, when you're when you're surrounded by other CEOs or other people who are in your profession, you learn, right? So you can learn new ways of doing things. You can learn new marketing channels that maybe you didn't try. You can learn, you know, how best do you help motivate people, how best do you Create you know career ladders for people on your team, um, so you know tremendous amounts of growth, and and also you know it, it's helpful I think as a CEO to realize that other CEOs are also dealing with some of the same challenges, right? Whether it's raising capital or hiring new talent or you know, figuring out uh, other ways that the business could grow and scale. You know, we're we're all as CEOs dealing with that. And we're all dealing it in different ways. And, you know, the the intensity of it may be different. But it's helpful to know that there's a community around you and there are folks around you that are going through it and can also help you.
1: Yeah, couldn't agree more. What's one new tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value? So, for example, Dropbox.
0: You know, I, I think... Um, a person is probably more on the personal front. I mean, we've, we've been on Dropbox and, you know, we've, I, I think the infrastructure from our company has been pretty, pretty fantastic. But I think that, you know, I would say personally, it's journaling. So I journal every day now and it helps me to check in with myself, right? Figure out how I'm feeling about the, about the business, where I think we should go. I do, you know, a lot of my own strategic planning in my journal. And it's just stream of consciousness. It's not structured. It's just for me. I don't intend for, you know, other people to read it, but it helps prepare me for my executive team meetings. So, you know, I will, before our executive meeting every week, go back and read my last week of journaling and then come back with thoughts or ideas or questions or, you know, things of that nature. So that's been really, really impactful on me. And I think helping to make me a better CEO. You
1: know, interestingly enough, I, a couple years ago, I used to think journaling was very raw, raw, like, Oh, I don't need it, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, after listening to another podcast, uh, the guy was like, Oh, you know, you should check out the five minute journal. And I actually started using that and had a major impact on, on me. I mean, mine's fairly simplistic, right? It's just a couple of things that I fill out. Like it sounds like yours more is a little more involved, but massive impact. I, I highly recommend that, you know, if you want to start journaling, maybe you start with the five minute journal and then you can start to have a blank journal and, and fill that out. Um, what time do you fill out your journal? Is it before end of day or both?
0: You know, I'll sometimes journal twice a day. Um, My my practice is in the morning. So in the morning before I go to work, I've got, you know, pretty dedicated morning routine. So I I rarely miss it in the morning. But if I've got, you know, a busy day and I want to, kind of decompress at the end of the day, I'll journal when I get home at night as well and just kind of share with myself, right? Again, this isn't meant for anyone else, but how did the day go? What could I have done better? What are things that I'm thinking about? What am I worried about? You know, what what's keeping me up at night? Because I feel that when you get it on paper and you sort of get it out of your mind, you can allow your mind to rest, to get back to a place of equilibrium so you can go back the next day and do it all over again, right? And if you don't give yourself that rest because you can't get stuff out of your mind, um, it becomes a lot harder to be at your best.
1: Love it. Okay. Well, what's one must read book you recommend to everyone?
0: So this is like probably the hardest question for me. I read so much. Um, one of my favorite books is the everything store, everything, which, which is the story Mm -hmm. of Amazon. Um, I really, really like company biographies. It's just kind of the style of book that I've gotten really into. Um, hatching Twitter is a great book. Um, there's a, an amazing book by the container store CEO. I've read the Starbucks CEO book. I've read the happiness book, by the Zappo CEO, um, tools of Titans is another great one, which is the new Tim Ferriss book. But I, I read like voraciously that it's so hard when people ask me my favorite book or what I recommend. Um, but it, I think part of it depends on what stage you're in, right? If you're truly like really really early stage and you're just getting started. There's different books than I think if you are growing a company or nearing 100 employees or like the challenges are different, right? I'd say like in the very very early days, my favorite book was Do More Faster, which is the the TechStars book about like how to get a company off the ground and you know pitfalls and all those kinds of things. Um, now I really like reading books more about like how people created the vision of their company and how people created the culture of their company and how people grew you know exponentially. So it just depends on, on stage, but those are some of my favorite books.
1: Yeah, I think that's the most important point anybody has made on, on this question on the over 250 interviews that I've done so far. It's, it's, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, yeah, everyone's at a different point, right? Different chapter um, in their life. People, especially on like Instagram, for example, people are always look, comparing their chapter one to somebody else's chapter 25, and it just doesn't work that way. So I, I think that's a really good point. People need to be writing books for people or not writing books. You know, If they're going to do like a blog post list of books, it should be for different stages, right? So I uh, totally agree with that. And yeah. since you're such a big learner, I'm sure you listen to audiobooks, podcasts, things like that. What, what else do you listen to? Uh, what do you listen to uh, in terms of podcasts, I should ask?
0: You know, I actually listen to few podcasts. I'm a better visual learner than I am an auditory learner. Okay. Um, and I just know that about myself. So, you know, I, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. Any documentaries? Um, you know, I've seen a lot of documentaries, but I, I don't have much time to watch television these days, to be completely honest. So mm-hmm. I can't, um, the, the last documentary I ever watched was the Jonathan Gold documentary about food in Los Angeles, which was sort of interesting. And I thought, uh, could help inspire some new food choices, but nothing, nothing that I've watched that frequently. Do
1: you feel like, you know, sometimes if you're watching TV, like a Netflix or a movie or something like that, do you feel guilty and do you feel like you should be getting back to work?
0: I don't know that it's that I feel guilty. I would rather just read. <laughs> um, so again, I'm a big reader and you know, I, I watch TV occasionally, but I just find that uh, I enjoy reading more than watching TV. It helps actually relax my brain more because I have to focus to read. And when I'm watching TV, I'll just be thinking about other things and not focusing. And so I don't even get, you know, the, the relief or the relax from it.
1: Got it. Okay, cool. Well, this was incredibly good and incredibly more inf- efficient. So Jillian, what's the best way for people to find you online?
0: Uh, you can email us at info at for any emails and online we're realtymogul.com.
1: All right. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you.